Hello, Mudbugs, and welcome back to Clay at Our Core, podcasting about pottery from the corner of Montgomery Road and Hudson Avenue in peace-loving Norwood, Ohio. I'm your clay pal, Ann Saker, and this is episode 51. I hope you enjoy the action-packed episode 50 featuring our very own Zania Tiemann cleaning the, the recirculating sink on our second floor studio. The next time you step on the foot pedal and the water flows nice and clean, be sure to thank Zania for her hard work. In this episode, Mudbugs, we're visiting with Melissa Josie, who fires her wares with us at Core Clay, but does her throwing in her home studio. She talks about how she made that big leap to home production potter. Lots of good tips in store. Here we go. Melissa, Josie, it is so nice to see you today here at Cork Clay. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Thank you That's for having great. me. I'm so glad you're here. It's a beautiful day and you're wearing a cool t-shirt, which are <laughs> three pyrometric cones in their little in their little bed and the caption is, drop it like it's hot. <laughs> really cute. Where did you get that? Um, I got it from the Dirty Girls Pottery Booth uh, in Encica when I went in college. I think it was Minneapolis. Okay. All right. So we're going to get to that. Clearly, you are up to your elbows in uh, in clay, and that's a cool <laughs> thing. Uh, Melissa, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Well, I was born and raised in Cincinnati. Wow. Still here, what obviously. Hi- <laughs> what high school did you go to? I went to Macaulay High School, which okay. is now Mercy Macaulay High right. School. Yes. Over on the west side. Great deal of controversy when they combined those schools, I know. Oh, yeah. They did it my first year of college. I got a whole text from oh, wow. all of our people in our college. Wow. Or Sad. in our in high, school. high school class. Yeah. yeah. Well, it had to be done, so. Yeah. I know it's hard. So, uh, so, and, so you went to uh, Macaulay High School, and then what did you do? Um, after that, I went to Kent State University up north near Akron. Yeah. Um, I got my BA in art education and wow. a minor in ceramics. Okay. All right. So wow, you come out you come out of the gate already with the academic discipline. That's very amazing. And uh, so you came back to Cincinnati, and you did you get a job here? I did. I managed to get the only art teacher job in Cincinnati come twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one school year. Wow. So. It was Is that when you uh, graduated stressful. in 2020? I did. I okay. was one of the COVID graduation kids. Okay. So you were like right under the gate. Did you even have a ceremony? No. They wow. did like a recording thing that you could watch from home. Oh. So, but, you know, I still got my diploma. You did. So that's, that's all that matters. matters. That's right. That's right. The, the speeches are always boring anyway. So, uh, well, that's okay. So you came out of the gate in the pandemic. And I kind of want to ask you about that. Like as a... Because I was, I know what I was doing in that first half of 2020 when things were at their scariest, I think it's safe to say. Uh, so how are you thinking about that now when you look back on it? Um, I definitely took a lot of time off from, I mean, they sent us home, I think, in March of 2020. Oh, my God. And I took that time to kind of think about what I wanted to do, trying to find a teaching job, and ponder how I'm going to make art work now that you're an art teacher instead of an artist. Right. So. Okay. So you had to put some thought on that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so now you are uh, now you are here in Cincinnati teaching art? I am. I teach over in Amelia, and I live in Finneytown. So it's a little bit of a hike. Oh, my gosh. But I, I like doing it. So. Right. That's a beautiful – that's actually a nice drive out that way, I think. 
yeah. but it is a long way from Finneytown. It's like an hour, right? It's about 35 wow. if there's no traffic. Oh. I usually don't hit any, so it's okay. not too bad. All right. So, Melissa, tell me a little bit about your clay journey. Were you a little girl who put a, and a teacher put a ball in your hand and you were <laughs> sold, or how did that work for you? Uh, we In my grade school, we didn't actually have any clay projects. It was a really small grade school. It was St. Vivian's in Finneytown. Um, so I didn't have any clay exposure until high school where I took beginning ceramics and then the ceramics one and two classes and I just fell in love. We were fortunate enough to have six wheels in our high school. Wow, okay. Um, and a great art teacher that would let me come in during my study periods and use the wheel even if she was teaching class. So that's what kind of where it started and that's also why I wanted to be an art teacher to let other students have the opportunity. What ignited in your brain when you held that clay and you knew this had to be in your life for good? Tell me what, can you remember what that was like for you? It was a lot of peace, like peace of mind. Yeah. I mean, high school's rough for everybody. <laughs> and to find something where it's not in your head, it's solely with your body. Right. For the most part. Um, I really couldn't throw very well in high school, but it was one of those things where I come in every single chance I had and I throw on the wheel, practice centering, and it gets you out of your head. Yeah. And so it was a lot of peace and tranquility for me. That's amazing. Okay. So was it in high school that you decided you wanted to pursue an art, an art degree? It was. I had a lot of talks with my art teacher because I was looking for some guidance. And I was like, you know what? I love art but I want something a little more stable than being an artist. Right. So I chose art education to become an art teacher for my degree. Okay, and so how did you land on Kent State? Um, at the time, there's only like four colleges in Ohio that have an art education program. Really? So, I'm shocked yeah. by that. <laughs> so it wasn't too difficult and I wanted somewhere far enough away that I couldn't drive home on the weekends but I could drive, drive home during breaks. Um, so I looked at Northern Ohio. It was between Kent State and Bowling Green. Okay. Um, and Kent's campus was just way nicer. Okay, <laughs> that's what I hear, yes. Okay, it's a beautiful place up there. Mm -hmm. You did not consider my alma mater, Ohio University? Sadly, I did not. You did not? Well, all right, I still love you, that's okay. <laughs> so. Uh, so you got your degree at Kent State, and uh, I assume you were throwing every day, and you were running kilns, and what was that? What was your education like up there? So being an art ed student, you're still in the art building, which is, um, we call it Center for Visual Art Building. It was brand new when I started there. So wow. was that 2016? Right. was brand new. So everything was painted white, and we were all very anxious to get into the clay studio and make messes. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I actually had a ceramics class until my second semester, freshman year, or my sophomore year. Okay. Because I knew I had to take the beginning ceramics for art education. And I kind of, like, after high school, I was like, well, I guess this is the end of my ceramics career. <laughs> mm -hmm. Unless I have to take one for, take a class for college. That's what I ended up doing. And then I took all of the ceramics classes I could for electives which was sculptural, and then there was a functional class as well. And then at the end of that, I think it was junior year, I was like, the only class left is advanced ceramics, and that's for somebody that's getting a degree. 
in ceramics or a minor and I, I made the decision I was like you know what I've already taken all the other classes let me just tack this on and then I get to keep doing ceramic things until I graduate very smart and that's what you did that's what I did yeah okay and so COVID hits us you come back down to Cincinnati I assume you call mom and dad and say hey I uh... <laughs> hey is my room ready <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> they were like sure come on home kiddo yep. okay so you came home then what happened so I came home in March I mean everything was shut down I don't even know if core was open when COVID hit yeah I didn't look into ceramics I kind of just if I needed an art outlet I started painting with the oil paints that I had left over from college and I was like I have some canvases let me just rip the canvases off and make them into smaller ones so I have more right so I still wanted an outlet but things got difficult obviously as the whole world shut down it did um I mean I put ceramics on hold after I got my degree I was like well that's no, no more studio space, no more free clay. Well, free in quotations. Right. Tuition pays for it, but you can make as much as you want. Yeah. Um, kiln access is gone. So I was just like kind of accepted once again that clay was done until I could oh. come up with some type of solution. And I mean, it was tough for sure because it was an outlet for peace, especially during a time where everything's crazy. Um, but a lot of people were feeling that way. So I started teaching when schools opened up again right. in August of 2020 and just accepted that my creative outlet was gonna have to be teaching and then realized that that's not a very good creative outlet because yeah. <laughs> you're, you're not making things when you're teaching children, right. usually. Right. Um, so then around Christmas time, I was like, I need <laughs> something. I cannot just teach all the time and not have anything, no clay, nothing to do. Right. So I started researching and I found you guys in Queen City Clay, which I had no clue were here. Wow. Um, I was like, I, ju I just was desperate to find something. So, I ended up becoming a studio member. Here at Core Clay. At, at so Clay. I, I know this, I don't mean this to sound controversial, but I'm always curious to know what was, what were the deciding factors for you to come here and not elsewhere? And not elsewhere, the only other place that we could it, possibly go. It's not the only other place, but the, but there are, you know, there are other options. So I'm just curious what made you choose this one? Um, well, Queen City at the time was at their old location. Right. Uh, I can't remember where that was. Well, it, this place is closer to me in Norwood. Okay. Um, I'm more familiar with Norwood. And the, what was it? The studio cost was definitely cheaper than Queen City. Okay. Along with, I also looked at firing packages, which were a better deal here. Um, you could use their glazes, which Queen City does not let you do. Right. Uh, when you are a studio member. Okay. You have to still pay for to paid to use those glazes. Oh, okay. So I was like, well, you know what? I'm not making a ton as a teacher anyway, so I'm just going to go with core. It's in a place I know. It sucks you have to park on the street, but that's what it is. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then once I, like, walked around both places, I was like, Laura's amazing. Right. All of the residents right. are amazing. Yes. I was like, this, this is a lot more fun and a lot more go with the flow. Yeah. So I was like, well, we'll, we'll 
go here. Okay. So. so you you were a studio member. Did you take any classes, or did you feel like you didn't need that because you already had a pretty good, pretty solid foundation in the basics? I did not take any classes. Okay. There's not really a reason why I didn't take any classes. <laughs> no, 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 no judgment whatsoever. I was just curious about that. So you took a shelf, and you came and you threw, and then what happened? So I'd come in, use the wheel, throw. I pretty much only throw, which is interesting because in college I only built sculptures. Okay. <laughs> and I transitioned to functional when I came here. Used the wheel all the time. And at this time I was working five days a week at school, so I would only come in on weekends. And I was just exhausted, so I knew something had to change. Um, the following school year I did again five, five days at school. And then my third year I was like, I can't do both. Right. It's like I want to pursue clay as an option, so I need time to do so. So I went part-time and I teach three days a week at my school and then I do my pottery the other two days a week. Wow. So now you are you are no longer an actual studio member, although you fire with us. Mm -hmm. So you decided to build your own home studio. Yes. Tell me about that process. Um, it started looking at my own possibilities in my home. I live at home with my lovely mother. God and bless. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> Thank you, Mom. Hi, Mom. <laughs> um, What's Mom's name? Renee. Hi, Renee. <laughs> she was lovely enough to let me take over the basement as our as my studio. Where's your house? Uh, in Finneytown. Okay. So we have our basement and then the main floor and then a top floor that we sleep on. So our basement right now, it's real old it has like checkerboard carpet carpet love on it. the walls love it <laughs> drop ceiling love it um and then part of the basement behind walls where we have our furnace and our laundry room that's all concrete it's unfinished floor so i was like well you know what i'd love un a concrete unfinished floor so i can mop um i ended up taking the jump and get buying a wheel from core clay of course yes ma'am <laughs> um and i was like i'll put it in the back where the concrete floor is i managed to clean out there was um a little storage area with like concrete on one side and then wood on the other but still concrete floors so i was like just scoot the wheel in there awesome. so it keeps the mess to itself and then i have a ton of tables in the main part of the basement that i put stuff to dry on um, but for the most part, cleaning, which I, I did today before I came, <laughs> cleaned the studio. Um, because the throwing area is on concrete, I can just mop it. I can wipe down the walls with a wet sponge because it's the foundational walls. In do our you have basement. a drain in the whole floor? We do because it's right next to our oh. furnace and oh, our water so heater. I'm okay. <laughs> and do you, so water is always an interesting problem in a small home studio. Mm -hmm. uh, do you uh, flush that drain every once in a while to get the, you know, whatever water and clay goes down there gets flushed through the system? Mm -hmm. We have a, um, the, Utility sink in our basement is what our washer empties into as right. well. So right now I have a bucket system. <laughs> You're going to need a lot more buckets than yeah. you think. <laughs> <laughs> so I put whatever bucket I use to throw, I let it sit for about a week, and then it separates. If you let it sit longer, you really just get water at the top. Right. Dump the water, leave the buckets to dry, and then I put them in my big reclaim Home Depot 5-gallon, 10-gallon buckets. Right. Um, so I usually, at least now, I didn't think about it before, um, before when I first started. Um, 
I'm very stickler on keeping the clay out of the sink, especially since we use it for laundry. Because if there's an issue, then right. you're not doing laundry that week. Right. It's all you. Yeah. Okay. So if I need to, I'll dump it out or I usually let it dry all the way and then I can just put it in my trash can. Okay. Um, it takes a while. Okay. But. So you, so like you have like negative, like negative water use there. I mean, you're constantly recycling the water mm -hmm. in there. So what you're throwing with doesn't go down the drain unless right. you spill it or you or whatever and then so so you where you're I'm trying to imagine this where your wheel is are you kind of walled off in such a way that the dust doesn't go flying all over the house correct okay because it, it was like just a shelving area with two walls that I just pushed my wheel into I took everything off the shelves took the shelves out and put my wheel in there okay so any splatter just goes on the right walls on the wall. right there okay. and I can just wipe it down with a wet sponge and then mop anything like after I trim I'll mop everything towards the drain and and of course now that you're in this facility in your basement mm -hmm. you are familiar with the drying conditions down there winter and summer you know where things need to be and how to move them along do you and you bring everything in here to glaze and then to fire correct I bring every, everything in here to glaze I do have a little kiln at home um, and I fire that in the garage. It's a really old Paragon A66B. Okay. Um, so a little baby kiln. I think I can fit either 16 or 18 mugs in it okay. for a bisque firing. All right. And you make fairly, you make like 20 ounce mugs. They're too. You quite make large. Big ones. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. With the very lovely ornate handle on mm -hmm. that. So let's talk the uh, the tech talk here. What kind of clay are you using now? I'm using 613. 6.13, you know, Laura's favorite. Yes. Okay, and what do you like about 6.13? I always love a brown clay. Yeah. And I've actually even started using it to slip cast, which okay. is iffy to do with brown clay for sure. Yeah. I made a plaster mold of their, I bought them, their little human feet that go on your fingers I got them off of Amazon. Right. I made a plaster mold of them so I can have little feet that I can stick on the bottom of planters and things like that. Adorable. <laughs> I love that. So I've started using my Reclaim 613 to use slip casting with that foot mold. Super smart. Yeah. This is one of the things I love about clay is that really anything you see can be adapted to this practice in some way. I mm -hmm. saw somebody break apart one of those little alligator snap clips and carve a, a piece with that and I thought Okay, this is what I love about this. That's really uh, that's really amazing. What are you working on today? What's the most recent thing you made? Well, today I actually have to glaze. So oh, so you're here to glaze. I All am right. here to glaze. How many pieces do you have here? Probably 30 mugs, and I'm dropping off soup mugs as well. Oh, wow. Which okay. I've changed the design of, and I'm really happy with them right now. Okay. So they should be done for my next big sale so you're 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 throwing or doing clay full-time twice a week two twice days a week. week yes and so what is a typical day for you like in your studio so um i mean i assume you've got a pretty good discipline going into this right i try yeah um so most days i usually do my things in a two-day process anyway so having those two days off in a row is amazing i really wanted that this school year and i begged my um, principal to have me have two days off in a row so I can do my clay process. So on Mondays, I wake up, I have my coveralls, go in the basement, get everything ready. So if I'm throwing, I usually throw on Mondays. I'll get my water, everything ready. 
I weigh out all of my clay ahead of time. So I'll usually do it the night before. Oh. And I keep it all in a damp box so it doesn't dry out. Right. I love damp boxes. Yeah. Best thing I learned in college. Just a big old plastic box, right? right? Exactly. With a locking lid and you're good to go. Yeah. Um, so I keep it all in a damp box and then I push that right by my wheel and I'll churn out probably between 30 and 60 mugs a day. Wow. And then um, that's all the room I have to put them on tables to dry right. for a day. Right. So that's part of the reason why. Um, but 60 mugs, my God, my hands ache just thinking about that. Yeah, well, it could be 60 of anything, okay. whether it's spoon rest mugs, right. whatever it is I'm throwing. Um, and then by that time, it's usually maybe two or three in the afternoon. And I know my limits, which is very important. So I'll usually right. call it for the day after I throw. Because when I throw, I just like get in the rhythm of it and you yeah. can't stop. So you just got to go all the way through. Right. Um, and then I'll leave it all uncovered because our basement can, at least during the summer, it's pretty humid down there. There's no chance of it getting really hard overnight. Um, leave it uncovered, go to bed, wake up the next morning, come down. They're usually dry enough for me to put handles on without distorting the tops at this point which is what I look for now. I know some people like to put them on when the cubs, not the cubs, the mugs, yeah. <laughs> are still bendy. And mm. that's an issue for me. Because yeah. <laughs> it ruins the shape a little bit. So get ready to get in my coveralls. Um, and then I'll start pulling handles, which I do a little bit differently than normally pulling handles. Um, because I don't like all the, the waste of, you know, taking a whole log and then pulling a handle and then throwing away whatever you're not using. So I take just a block of that 613. I found the biggest loop tool I could find, which I think is an inch. And it's just like a half semicircle. And I carve strips right off the block. Um, and then I take those strips. I count how many I need, whether it's 30 or 60. Smooth out the block, carve my next all the next strips. And we keep doing that until I have enough strips. And then I do maybe two to five passes of what a normal pulling a handle looks like with water to get the pooled look, the shape. And then I stick them on the edge of my table, let them dry for probably about two hours, um, and then get my mugs ready to handle. Wow, what a process. Yeah. That, that is re remarkable. And so you've been doing this for how long now? Um, with this design, that I do now with the more ornate handles. I've been doing them for probably a year and a half, maybe two years. Wow. So okay. I've got some practice. Right. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, Melissa, this, that is so insightful. I wonder if you could tell me a little bit uh, about your response to this. I like to ask now what I call the Laura Davis question, which is, what do you know now that you wish you had known when you had gotten started in clay and wherever you peg that mm -hmm. is up to you? I think that, especially for, I mean, honestly, anybody at this point, there's no timeline to anything. It's all made up. I mean, when I started, I was so kind of stuck and frozen with the idea that I'm starting a pottery business now, Blue Pine Pottery, I've bought the LLC, I now need to make as much stuff as possible, I need to get into as many markets as possible. And that kind of like froze me. <laughs> right. And now that I've been in it for three-ish years, I'm like, well, 
I know myself. I know what I can handle. I know that it's okay to take a break. It's not going to ruin any imaginary timeline I come up with. And I mean, I'm 25. I have the rest of the life ahead of me. There's no big rush to do anything. Right. Very thoughtful. You're going to get there just fine. I mean, if you're pumping out 60 mugs a week, kid, <laughs> that's a-okay, really. Yeah. And But I like that attitude. It's a very healthy approach to... I think beginners feel they need to know how to make a 12-piece dinner set the second week of class. Oh, and yeah. I think that's a good thing to remind yourself. There's really no timeline here. I mean, especially if you start your own pottery business. It feels like there's a million and one things you always have to do. And... Not figuring out taxes and all of the paperwork and let alone making all of this stuff so you have enough stock to do bigger shows. Right. I mean, it's a, it's very overwhelming. It's a lot of things. And sometimes you just have to be like, you know what? I woke up this morning. I looked at myself in the mirror and I had this like just slack face with dead eyes. It's today's the day off. <laughs> okay. Just take a day. Right. If it needs to be longer than a day, take longer than a day. Right. But, but then you come back at it and you are right ready to go. Yeah. That's amazing. Melissa Josie, it is a pleasure to talk to you about your business. We're going to circle back with you uh, in coming months to see how the business is going. And especially I think people would love to know how you got started selling at markets. So when we do some issue, some episodes about that, I want to revisit that with you. It's great to talk to you. Thanks for coming in to talk to me today. Thank you for having me. May the kiln god smile upon you. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks again to Melissa Josie for her great insights into her art process. I think there's a little bit that all of us can take from that. Now for some studio notes. Reminding again Mudbugs to check out the Meal Train website for our campaign on behalf of our beloved Nicholas Westerkamp, who is living with brain cancer. On Mealtrain.com, search for Nicholas Westerkamp, W-E-S-T-E-R-K-A-M-P, and help out her family with something simple and delicious. It will go a long way, I promise. Please reach out to Cora Clay if you have any questions about participating. The next First Friday firing on October 6th will be a slow cool. So if you dig that crystalline vibe, get your wares ready to bake. Studio members, you get to fire for free when you help us fill up the big bad Bailey gas kiln for this one monthly firing. For our next episode, we have a teacher feature. Sam Jane joined Cork Clay as a teacher and studio assistant earlier this year. He now is in charge of our fun Tuesday night Clay Club sessions. Please hit that notification button so your podcast provider can keep you up to date. Thank you so much, Mudbugs, for listening to episode 52 of Clay at Our Core. From high atop the magnificent 1928 Charles Nash Building in peace-loving Norwood, Ohio, this is your clay pal, Ann Saker, hoping that the kiln gods are smiling upon you.